Canada's trade war with the United States of America, our closest ally, reached a near-breaking point this past week when staff of President Donald Trump said there's a special place in hell for world leaders like Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. This never-before-felt tension in the trade war with the U.S. has many Canadians putting partisan politics aside in favor of patriotism. I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and this is Why. World leaders from the G7 countries will all meet here at the Manoir Richelieu in La Malbaie next week. Security is but always tight for these summits. So this one is happening in La Malbaie, a community in the Charlevoix region about two hours northeast of Quebec City. The G7, otherwise known as the Group of Seven. These are seven countries that have the seven largest advanced economies in the world. They've been meeting every year since the 1970s. And this year, they met in Quebec, where they were welcomed by Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. What a pleasure it is to welcome uh, Prime Minister Theresa May to Charlevoix. It's a uh, tremendous pleasure to welcome uh, Chancellor Merkel to Charlevoix. Quel plaisir de recevoir Emmanuel Macron, President of the Pleasure to welcome uh, my friend Shinzo Abe, uh, Prime Minister of Japan. Right, so this is the group of the seven leading industrialized nations, the biggest economies in the world. Jackson Prosco is the Global News Washington bureau chief. It's Canada, it's the United States, it's Japan, it's a bunch of countries in Europe. And the reason they get together and sit down and talk is because they have so much in common and because, generally speaking, they cooperate, but also their economies are really intertwined. They trade a lot with each other. They have, uh, you know, similar political systems. So that's why they meet once a year. And trade issues are, are pretty delicate right now, aren't they? Yeah, boy, are they ever. You've got, uh, you know, a whole new regime in the White House here in Washington that has essentially said they're putting America first. So they're sort of turning their backs on the way things have traditionally run, where you have countries trading with one another. But you're also seeing a lot of movements uh, in similar direction inside Europe. You've got more protectionist governments taking place in Europe as well. So the sort of international order, the way we're used to things operating over the past few decades, has really been put on its head right now. And I think that's what everyone's trying to grapple with. So there was a lot riding on this G7 summit. There was, and in particular, it all comes down to Donald Trump, because none of the other members of the G7, let's say the G6 minus the U.S., are really sure what to make of Donald Trump or how to work with him or how to work around him. So the stakes were really high because Trump has gone and imposed tariffs. He's essentially charging taxes on goods imposed, imported excuse me, from most of the G7 nations into the United States uh, right now, and that has really upset a lot of U.S. allies. So what was then supposed to be achieved at this G7 summit when all of the world leaders were meeting amidst this trade tension? Well, it was supposed to be about finding common ground on a whole bunch of issues, not just trade, but also the environment, on women's issues, on a whole bunch of things. The whole idea is that these big countries have so much in common and they're so intertwined uh, that they should be cooperating on these things, but also setting an example for other countries around the world. And what actually did end up happening? <laughs> well, it all seemed to fall apart in pretty spectacular fashion, uh, with Donald Trump really standing firm in his America first view of the world and kind of turning his back on the traditional alliances that have held the G7 together. 
Trump left early, too, didn't he? He did, and that's because he had to jet off to Singapore for that meeting with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. So he was always cutting this trip short, but there was a lot of reported rumor beforehand that things were so tense between Trump and Trudeau and the other world leaders that he didn't even really want to go to this meeting. He didn't want to sit there and be lectured by these other foreign leaders. So Trump gets on Air Force One and he leaves the G7 summit here in Canada early as he's flying over to Singapore for this historic meeting with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau gives a press conference. And what does he say that really upset Trump? Right. What Trudeau essentially said uh, is he reiterated his private conversations with Trump and he basically outlined Canada's position. It would be with regret, but it would be with absolute certainty and firmness that we move forward with retaliatory measures on July 1st, applying equivalent tariffs to the ones that the Americans have uh, unjustly applied to us. He feels that um, uh, the U.S. has been inappropriate in putting these tariffs on its very close ally, uh, essentially that Canada will stand up for itself and not be pushed around. I have made it very clear to the president that it is not something we relish doing, but it is something that we absolutely will do because Canadians were polite, were reasonable, but we also will not be pushed around. Uh, but he didn't actually say anything specifically negative about Donald Trump or about the U.S. He just outlined the Canadian position of standing up for Canada's interest, which is what you would expect any world leader to do. But for some reason, this really upset Donald Trump and his allies, who then said that it was backstabbing and a betrayal uh, and that uh, Justin Trudeau had somehow gone rogue. Why did this offend them so much? I think at the end of the day, maybe they were expecting the Canadian Prime Minister to sort of kowtow to them or that he wouldn't uh, get up in public and reiterate Canada's interest in standing up for its own interests. But uh, it, it really seems like a bit of theater here that perhaps the Americans were simply trying to look really strong, especially as they headed off to Singapore for that meeting with Kim Jong-un. They wanted to send a message that Donald Trump wouldn't take no from anybody, even from his closest neighbors and friends. So you said that, that Trump and his staffers were really upset by Trudeau's comments that, frankly, didn't seem too offensive to everyone else watching or too surprising. How did they go about expressing their outrage? As so often happens with the Trump administration, cable news is kind of the favorite forum for Trump's advisors to get their message out there. And you had Larry Kudlow, who's the president's chief economic advisor, and then Peter Navarro, who's the president's trade advisor, both appearing on cable news stations like CNN and Fox uh, and really lashing out at Justin Trudeau. Joining us now, White House trade advisor Peter Navarro. Chris, there's a, a special place in hell for any foreign leader that engages in bad faith diplomacy with President Donald J. Trump and then tries to stab him in the back on the way out the door. He was then forced to apologize for that a few days later, saying that the language was inappropriate, really after it, it touched off a firestorm, not only in Canada, but here in the U.S. as well, with a lot of uh, lawmakers, even in the president's own party, saying, what on earth are you doing here, pushing aside an ally like Canada as you're about to go and be buddy-buddy with Kim Jong-un. To my friends in Canada, that was one of the worst political miscalculations of a Canadian leader in modern Canadian history. What was the reaction from other politicians, be they in the U.S. or in Canada? 
I think absolute shock. I mean, this is the type of language you wouldn't even hear typically a U.S. administration use about an American enemy, and yet here they were using it about Canada, about the one country that should not or rarely poses more than a minor irritant to the U.S. There's never really problems between the two of us. So this really kind of came out of left field. And people on Twitter, on on both sides of the political spectrum, seem to sort of bond over this in opposition of Trump. That's right. Uh, we actually had uh, sort of this this hashtag going around, uh, Thanks Canada, talking about all the great things that Canada has done. Uh, we really had a lot of people sort of speak up and jump into the conversation and explain that there is nothing in the Canada-U.S. relationship that's worth getting this upset about. And in fact, Canada is there for the U.S. more often than not. And I thought it was interesting here in Canada, north of the 49th parallel, that we saw leaders of all political stripes stand up for the man that they so often criticize, and that was Justin Trudeau. Yeah, I think uh, on on the Canada-U.S. relations front, I think politicians of all stripes in Canada recognize the uh, importance of standing up for Canada's interests here, and I don't think anybody thinks that Justin Trudeau acted improperly by saying that he would stand up for Canada's interests. Uh, I also think, generally speaking, Donald Trump is hugely unpopular in Canada when you look at the polling. He just is not well respected by average Canadians. And so there really is no downside for any politician, even if they're not a member of the Liberal Party, to say that they stand with Trudeau and that they want to stand up against Trump. So the stage was really set here to make it easy for other politicians to choose patriotism over partisan politics. Exactly. You know, if this was language coming from Barack Obama, who, of course, was hugely popular in Canada, I think things would be a bit different. And uh, the viewpoint might be different of a Canadian prime minister standing up to a popular U.S. president. But when the U.S. president is as unpopular as Donald Trump is, there really is nothing to be lost by standing with the prime minister and saying that you're standing up for Canada's interests. Jackson, thank you so much for chatting with me. My pleasure. In the days that followed, Canadians seemed to unite behind their Prime Minister. The about-face was kind of surprising. Prior to the G7, Trudeau was under fire for his plan to purchase a pipeline. But after the summit, he was being applauded by nearly everybody, even the Conservatives. Look, I'm a Conservative. I didn't vote for Justin Trudeau. I'm not a partisan advocate for his government by any means. But I think the government has, has done the right thing, which is to show calm, Resolve. So temperamentally, they've taken the right course of action. We continue to oppose the, the Liberals, but we support the government of Canada in its um, principal stand for a fair outcome of the uh, trade negotiation. Uh, we stand shoulder to shoulder with the Prime Minister and our federal counterparts. So I can stand here as a Conservative MP and say, uh, you know, I oppose the government on this thing, but I think that does a disservice to every single one of those families who are going to be impacted by this. And so I stand uh, as a Canadian first and foremost before I stand as a Conservative MP. National radio talk show host Charles Adler is also one of those Conservatives who says he's choosing patriotism over politics. Well, you know, it, it's real simple with me. In the end, I'm a homer. When uh, my prime minister is attacked, and that's how I see it when it's a foreign leader. You know, if it's Andrew Scheer or Stephen Harper, you know, totally different story. But when a uh, foreign leader attacks uh, my prime minister, I defend my prime minister. Uh, I support my family. I support my country. I've been very, very blessed and privileged uh, throughout the career but I can't recall a single ribbon or trophy or medal that ever meant more to me than my 
the My Canadian Citizenship card. Uh, that means more to me than I can I can express. So when uh, Donald Trump wants to uh, kick my country around, I'll kick back. Charles, I know that you're a patriot. But I have to say, normally you are so critical of Trudeau. What did he do this time that was actually right? I think uh, Trudeau, <laughs> Trudeau actually took charge of the summit. He was now the star. And he was saying something that only many billions of people believe around the world. And that's, uh, you know, we'll be nice and polite, but we don't like being pushed pushed around. around. You couldn't find a soundbite that reflects the attitudes of people around the world more. People love American show business and they love, you know, American products and all the rest of it. But the push around stuff, not so much. And so there was Justin Trudeau saying something that a world leader would say, and he became the star, and Donald Trump became, in that moment, his piñata. From Donald Trump's perspective, that's not the way things are supposed to go. I I still can't wrap my mind around this idea that the president of the United States would pick a fight with his friends in order to impress an enemy. Well, that's because you don't think like an authoritarian, (laughs) okay? If you if you study authoritarianism, you can study Putin if you like. You can study Kim Jong Un and the other the other Kims. I mean, these are people who murder their own family members. Okay, remember that. But certainly, if you study um, Stalin and uh, take a look at uh, what the purges were all about, uh, he killed many people who were his his allies. Authoritarians, it's it's one of the things they do to show strength. Uh, they attack their own. You know, it also happens among organized crime members. But, you know, just simply the, the, the general proposition here is that authoritarians do not like sharing power. They want to have all of the power vested in themselves and anybody else who is close to them could become severely damaged. It's very, very risky to become part of an authoritarian's team. And the best examples, as far as Trump is concerned, is just look at the HR massacre that's been going on inside his White House since he started. Nobody goes through people faster than him. And on one day, he'll flatter that person publicly. And within days, he'll do the the opposite. So the idea that he wouldn't go after Trudeau because Trudeau's an ally, well, I would say that's conventionally true about conventional leaders. He's not conventional. It sounds like to me you're saying that you can put aside politics when it comes to matters that affect Canada as a whole, specifically if there's some sort of outside threat. But what I'm seeing on social media is that not all Canadians agree with you here. There's still a lot of people that cannot see past all of the political missteps that Trudeau has had leading up to basically just this past weekend. So what would you say to those Canadians? What do do I say to to those people who would rather favor uh, Donald Trump because he's kicking Trudeau, who they love to kick around? I would simply say it's it's a free country and and you're, you're free to do that. 
some conservatives, I mean, look, you had every conservative in the House of Commons stand up for that motion supporting Justin Trudeau at the G7 summit. Every every single one of them stood, every single one of the NDPers, the, the Bloc Québécois, I mean, everyone, everyone stood. Mr. Speaker, at this difficult moment in our history with our U.S. neighbours, Canadians need to know that all sides of this House stand united as one. And we will always stand with Canadian workers and thank our colleagues opposite for their support. It was wonderful. It was a Canadian uh, moment. But if you're asking about some conservatives who aren't, uh, you know, just supporters of the conservatives, the, the, I'll just call them regular Canadians, okay? If some of them aren't uh, doing that, yeah, some, some of that is because they don't, they don't particularly like him. Uh, there are things about Donald Trump that, that appeal to them. Those folks are, are going to vote uh, conservative, and those folks are never going to say anything uh, kind about uh, Justin Trudeau. And remember, those folks aren't under any pressure to because they don't have to show their faces in the House of Commons. My guess is there were probably people in the Conservative caucus who are no different than those folks, but they were told by their leader, you know, smarten up. This is not the day to be partisan. And five minutes from now, you can go back to partisanship. And five minutes later, they did. Speaker, last week, Conservatives supported the government in opposition to unacceptable tariffs levied against Canadian steel and aluminum workers. And we supported the government's efforts to retaliate against this unilateral decision by the United States. However... Charles, thanks for talking to me. Thank you. Within days, Conservative Party leader Andrew Scheer returned to criticizing Trudeau once again. But the unity displayed by all parties right after the G7 summit will go down in Canadian history as a rare moment when patriotism was chosen over politics. This Is Why is produced by John O'Dowd and me, Nikki Reitmeyer. You can get a hold of us through email, thisiswhy at globalnews.ca or on Twitter at thisiswhy. You can subscribe through Apple Podcast. Google Play, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And while you're there, please give us a rating and review. Tell us what you think and tell a friend about us too. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next Friday.